part one of the steel flea this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by expatriate in bangor maine the steel flea by nikolai leskov translated by isabel florence hapgood eighteen fifty one to nineteen twenty eight part one preface i cannot tell precisely where the first germ of the legend concerning the steel flea had its birth that is to say whether it originated in tula the izma or sestroyetsk but evidently it came from one of these places in any case the tale of the steel flea is a legend which distinctly belongs to the armourers guild and expresses the pride of russian gunsmiths it depicts a contest between our workmen and english workmen from which our artisans emerged the victors having utterly routed and humiliated the englishmen herein also is explained a certain secret cause of military disasters in the crimea i jotted down this legend in sestroyetsk from the lips of an aged gunsmith an emigrant from tula who had removed to the sestro river during the reign of alexander i the narrator was still hale and hearty two years ago and of sound memory he was fond of recalling the days of yore cherished great respect for the emperor nikolai pavlovitch lived according to the ancient faith read devout books and bred canary birds people treated him with much consideration translator's note in spite of this circumstantial prefatory statement in the accusation which was brought against this legend on its first appearance by one over-clever critic that is that it was ancient and threadbare in public knowledge the fact remains that the author invented every syllable of it tula is the sheffield of russia being the seat of the government gunworks and possessed of innumerable shops engaged in the manufacture and sale of all sorts of metal goods sestroyetsk on the shore of finland opposite kronstadt is the site of a gun factory founded by peter the great in seventeen fourteen the ancient faith means that the old gunsmith belonged to the old believers also called the raskolniki a sect which insists that the proper orthodox manner of making the sign of the cross is with the thumb and forefinger instead of with the thumb and first two fingers and which refuse to accept the correction of typographical errors in the church service books ordered by the patriarch nikon in the reign of peter the great's father in the early days they were harshly treated and even burned themselves alive rather than accept the heresy of the state church nowadays no attention is paid to them officially or otherwise chapter one when the emperor alexander pavlovitch had finished the congress of vienna he took a fancy to travel all over europe and visit the marvels of the different realms he journeyed through all lands and everywhere by reason of his amiability he always held the most internecine discussions with all men and all amazed him by one means or another and sought to incline him to their side but he had a cossack of the don named platoff attached to his personal service who did not like this inclination and being homesick for his own hearthstone he constantly sought to lure the emperor to his home so as soon as platoff perceived that the emperor took a deep interest in any foreign thing and all his suite held their peace he began to say immediately thus and so and we have the same thing of our own at home not a whit worse and then he would turn him aside in one way or another 
the english people were aware of this and had prepared various cunning devices against the emperor's arrival to the end that they might captivate him with foreign things and in many cases they attained their object especially in the great assemblies where platoff could not express himself perfectly in french but he did not mind that overmuch because he was a married man and regarded all french conversation as mere emptiness unworthy of his imagination but when the english began to invite the emperor to all their arsenals armories shops and soap-sawing factories in order to demonstrate their superiority over us in all things platoff said to himself come there has been enough of this sort of thing up to this point i have endured in patience but beyond this it's impossible i may manage to say the right thing or i may not but i won't betray my own people and no sooner had he uttered these words to himself than the emperor said to him thus and so to-morrow you and i will go to inspect their arsenal museum there says he exist such perfections of nature that when you look upon them you will no longer dispute the fact that we russians in spite of all our self-importance are of no account whatever platoff made no reply but merely buried his hooked nose in his shaggy felt cloak retired to his quarter commanded his orderly to fetch a flask of caucasian brandy from the cellaret tossed off a bumper prayed to god before a holy picture which folded up for travelling wrapped himself in his thick felt mantle and began to snore so that not a single englishman in all the house was able to sleep he said to himself the morning is wiser than the evening chapter two on the following day the emperor and platoff went to the museum the emperor took none of the other russians with him because he had been provided only with a two-seated carriage they drive up to a smallish building the entrance indescribable corridors stretching out interminably and a row of chambers one after another and at last in the chief hall of all diverse huge busts and in the centre under a canopy stands the abolo polveder the emperor casts a glance at platoff to see whether he is much amazed and what he is gazing at but platoff is walking along with downcast eyes as though he beholds nothing and is merely twisting his moustaches into rings the englishman immediately begins to exhibit diverse marvels and explain to what ends they are adapted in military matters see burimeters mammals hair mantles of the infantry regiments and for the cavalry tarred waterproofs all this delights the emperor greatly everything seems to him very good but platoff preserves his apathy and nothing has any significance in his opinion the emperor says how is this possible why is there such unfeelingness in thee is there really nothing here that astonishes thee and platoff replies one thing only here astonishes me that my dashing lads of the don made war without all this and conquered a dozen nations the emperor says this is folly platoff replies i know not to what to attribute it but i dare not to dispute and must needs hold my tongue but the englishman beholding such a discussion between him and the emperor immediately led them to the abolo polveder himself and took from one of his hands a mortimer gun and from the other a pistol here said they this is the sort of manufactures we have and they gave him the gun the emperor gazed calmly on the mortimer gun because he has such in sarskoya selo and then they gave him the pistol and said this pistol is of unknown inimitable workmanship our admiral plucked it from the belt of a bandit chief in candelabria 
the emperor looked at the pistol and could not tear his eyes from it he gave vent to terrible ahs ah 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 says he what a weapon is this how is it possible to work so delicately and he turns to platoff and says in russian there now if i had but one such artisan in russia i should be extremely happy and proud and i would instantly make that man a noble but the very minute platoff hears these words he thrusts his hands into his voluminous trousers and draws thence a gunsmith's screwdriver this does not unscrew say the englishman but he paying no heed picks away at the lock he gives it one turn he gives it another and takes out the lock platoff shows the catch to the emperor and there on the curve stands a russian inscription ivan moskvin in the town of tula the englishmen marvelled and nudged one another oh alas we have blundered but the emperor says sadly to platoff why hast thou covered them with such confusion now i am very sorry for them let us go they took their places again in the same two-seated carriage and drove away and that day the emperor went to a ball but platoff gulped down a still mightier bumper of kizil vodka and slept a mighty cossack sleep he rejoiced that he had put the englishman to confusion and had placed the tula artisan in the proper light but he was also vexed why had the emperor felt pity for the englishman on such an occasion for what reason did the emperor grieve thought platoff i don't understand it at all and engaged in this meditation he twice arose crossed himself and drank vodka until by sheer force he brought upon himself a profound sleep but the englishmen were not asleep at that time either because their heads were whirling round with dizziness while the emperor was enjoying himself at the ball they prepared for him such a fresh marvel that they deprived platoff of all his fantasy chapter three the next day when platoff presented himself to the emperor to wish him good morning the latter said to him let the two-seated carriage be put to immediately and let us look at more museums platoff went so far as to suggest had they not seen enough foreign products and would it not be better to betake themselves to russia but the emperor says no i desire to behold still other novelties they have boasted to me that they make the very finest sort of sugar here they drove off the englishmen kept showing the emperor the different prime products they had but platoff stared and stared and suddenly said show us your manufactures of molva sugar but the englishmen did not even know what molva was they whispered together and winked at one another and kept repeating molva molva hmm. but they could not understand that such a sugar was made in our parts and were obliged to confess that they had all sorts of sugar but not molva platoff says well then you have nothing to brag about come to us and we will treat you to tea with real molva from the bobrinsky factories but the emperor plucked him by the sleeve and said softly please don't ruin my politics then the englishman invited the emperor to the last museum of all where were collected all the mineral stones and nymphozoria from the whole world beginning with the hugest egyptian pyramids and going down to the subcutaneous flea which cannot be seen by the eye though its bite is between the skin and the body the emperor went they had inspected the pyramids and all sorts of stuffed animals and were on their way out and platoff thinks to himself now glory to god all is well the emperor admires nothing but no sooner had they reached the very last room when lo 
there stood workmen in their everyday waistcoats and aprons holding a salver on which there was nothing at all and the emperor began to wonder what they were giving him on the empty salver what is the meaning of this he asks and the english artisans reply this is a respectful gift from us to your majesty but what is it here they said please to observe this tiny speck the emperor looked and saw that the tiniest sort of a speck really was lying upon the salver the workmen say please spit on your finger and take it in your palm but what am i to do with this speck it is not a speck they answer but a nymphosoria is it alive not at all they reply it is not alive but it has been forged by us in the image of a flea out of pure english steel and in the middle of it are works and a spring please wind it up with a little key it will immediately begin to dance the emperor's curiosity was aroused and he asked and where is the little key and the englishman said here is the key right before your eyes why do not i see it says the emperor because they reply a melkoscope is necessary they gave him the melkoscope and the emperor saw that beside the flea on the silver salver there actually lay a tiny key please take it in your palm said they there is a hole in its little belly to wind it and the key must be turned seven times and then it will begin to dance with difficulty did the emperor grasp the tiny key and with difficulty did he hold it between his finger and thumb and with the other forefinger and thumb he gripped the flea and no sooner had he applied the little key than it began to move its feelers next it began to wriggle its legs and at last it gave a sudden skip and in one bound it made a straight dance and two variations to one side then to the other and thus danced out an entire quadrille in three figures the emperor immediately commanded that a million be given to the artisans in any money they preferred in silver five kopeck pieces if they liked or in small bank bills if they liked that the englishmen requested that silver money be issued to them because they did not understand paper money and then they immediately exhibited another cunning device of theirs they had made a present of the flea but had brought no case for it but without a case it was impossible to keep either the flea or the key because they would get lost and be thrown out into the dust-heap yet they had made a case for it fashioned out of a solid diamond the size of a walnut and its place was hollowed out in the centre this they did not present because said they the case was the property of the crown and they were held to strict account for crown property and they could not make a gift of it even to the emperor platoff came near getting into a great rage because says he why such rascality they have made a gift and received a million for it and all that is not enough the case always goes with every article but the emperor said stop that please says he this is no business of thine don't spoil my politics they have their own customs and he inquires what is the value of this walnut in which the flea is lodged the englishman rated it at five thousand more pay them said the emperor alexander pavlovitch and himself dropped the tiny flea into the little nut and the key with it and in order that he might not lose the walnut itself he placed it in his gold snuff-box and ordered the snuff-box to be placed in his travelling casket which was all encrusted with mother-of-pearl and fish-bone and the emperor dismissed the english workmen with honour and said to them you are the finest artisans in the world and my people can do nothing in comparison with you they were highly pleased with this and platoff could utter nothing contrary to the emperor's words 
only he took the melkoscope and without uttering a syllable he dropped it into his pocket because it belongs here also says he and you have taken enough money from us already anyway the emperor did not know of this until his arrival in russia but they went away speedily because melancholy had seized upon the emperor on account of military affairs and he desired to make his spiritual confession to priest feodot in taganrog during the journey there was very little agreeable conversation between him and platoff because they had formed entirely different opinions the emperor thought that englishmen had no equals in art while platoff insisted that our men had only to look at a thing and they could make everything only they lacked good instruction and he expounded to the emperor that the english workmen had entirely different rules of life for everything and different sciences and materials and that each man of them had all absolute circumstances before him and hence a wholly different understanding of things the emperor was not willing to listen long to this but platoff would get out at every posting station and drink a beer-glass of vodka through vexation and eat a little round salted cracknel and light his birch-root pipe which held a whole pound of zhukov tobacco at one filling and then he would take his place and sit in silence beside the czar in the carriage the emperor gazed in one direction while platoff thrust his pipe out of the opposite window and smoked away in the breeze and thus they journeyed until they reached petrograd and the emperor did not take platoff to priest feodot with him thou art intemperate in spiritual converse said he and thou smokest so excessively that soot has settled in my head from thy fumes platoff was offended and lay upon the couch of vexation at home and there he lay incessantly and smoked zhukov tobacco without intermission chapter four the wonderful flea of burnished english steel remained in alexander pavlovitch's casket beneath the fish's bone until he died in taganrog he having given it to priest feodot to transmit to the empress later when she should have grown calm the empress alexandra alexievna looked at the flea's variations and burst out laughing but she did not occupy herself with it my state is now that of a widow said she and no sort of amusement is seductive to me and on her return to petrograd she gave this marvel and all the other treasures in the inheritance to the new emperor the emperor nikolai pavlovitch also paid no heed to the flea at first because there was a disturbance at his accession to the throne but later on one day he began to inspect the casket which had come to him from his brother and from it he drew forth the snuff-box and from the snuff-box the diamond as big as a walnut and in it he found the steel flea which had not been wound up for a long time and therefore did not work but lay as though petrified the emperor gazed at it and marvelled what sort of a nonsensical trifle is this and why did my brother preserve it so carefully the courtiers wanted to fling it away but the emperor said no this has some meaning they summoned a chemist from the apothecary's shop at the anitchkov bridge who was accustomed to weigh out poisons on the tiniest of scales and showed it to him and he immediately took the flea and placed it on his tongue and said i feel a chill as from some strong metal and then he bit it gently with his teeth and announced you may say what you please this is not a real flea but a nymphozoria and it is made of metal and the work is not ours not russian the emperor ordered that they should instantly find out whence came this thing and what was the meaning of it they flew to look in the archives and lists but nothing was recorded in the archives 
they began to question first one person and then another no one knew anything about it but happily that cossack of the don platoff was still alive and even still reclining on his couch of vexation and smoking his pipe when he heard the uproar in the palace he rose immediately from his couch flung away his pipe and presented himself before the emperor in all his orders the emperor says what dost thou want from me valiant old man and platoff answers i want nothing from your majesty for myself since i eat and drink what i please and am content with all things but i am come to report to you concerning that nymphozoria which has been found it was thus and so says he and this is what took place before my own eyes in england and there is a tiny key with it and i have the very melkoscope with which it can be seen and with the key the nymphozoria can be wound up through its belly and it will skip over any space you like and make variations in all directions they wound it up and it began to leap and platoff says this your majesty is really a very delicate and interesting bit of work but it is not meet that we should view it with ecstasy of spirit only we must also submit it to russian inspection in tula or in sesterbeck sesteryetsk was still called sesterbeck at that time to see whether our artisans cannot surpass this so that the english may not exalt themselves above the russians thou sayest well valiant old man and i commission thee to establish this matter this little box i do not want at present in all my anxieties therefore do thou take it with thee and stretch thyself not again upon thy couch of vexation but go thou to the peaceful dawn and hold there with my men of the dawn internecine converse with regard to their life and loyalty and as to what pleaseth them and when thou shalt pass through tula show thou this nymphozoria to my tula artisans and bid them meditate upon it say to them from me that my brother marvelled at this thing and praised the people who made the nymphozoria above all things but i am convinced that my own people are no worse than they they will not let my words pass unheeded but will make something chapter five platoff took the steel flea and as he passed through tula on his way to the dawn he showed it to the tula gunsmiths and repeated to them the emperor's words and they asked and now what shall we do about it orthodox believers the gunsmiths replied we are touched by the gracious word of the emperor batyushka and we can never forget him because he places reliance upon his own people but what we must do in the present case we cannot say in one minute because the english nation also is not stupid but even tolerably cunning and their art hath much sensible contrivance with that said they we must cope after due reflection and with the blessing of god but if thou gracious master like unto our gracious sovereign hast confidence in us then do thou go to thy home on the quiet dawn but leave this flea with us just as it is in its case and in the imperial golden snuff-box take thy pleasure upon the dawn and heal the wounds which thou hast accepted for the sake of the fatherland and when thou returnest through tula halt and send for us by that time god granting we shall have devised something platoff was not wholly satisfied that the men of tula should demand so much time and moreover that they should not say plainly just what they intended to make he questioned them this way and that and craftily engaged them in conversation in all sorts of manners after the fashion of the dawn but the tula men did not yield to him one whit in cunning for they had suddenly caught an idea which they could not even hope that platoff would believe in and they desired to execute fully their daring plan and then hand it over said they 
we do not ourselves know as yet what thing we shall undertake only trust in god and perchance the imperial word will not be put to shame through us and thus did platoff use crafty mental shifts and the men of tula likewise platoff shifted and shuffled shifted and shuffled and perceived at last that to outshift and outshuffle a tula man was beyond his powers so he gave them the snuff-box with the nymphozoria and said well there's nothing else to be done be it according to your will i know you what sort of fellows you are but there's nothing else to be done i trust you only to look to it that you will not exchange the diamond and will not spoil the delicate english work and that you will not be long about the job for i travel fast two weeks will not have passed before i shall return from the quiet dawn to petrograd and then you must without fail let me have something to show to the emperor the gunsmiths reassured him fully we will not injure the delicate work said they and we will not exchange the diamond and two weeks is time enough for us and against that occasion of your return you shall have something worthy to show to the emperor's magnificence but all the same they did not say precisely what that something was to be end of part one recording by expatriate in bangor maine